On today's More Than a Test, we finally have Kareem Weaver here with us. If you are into literacy, if you are into teaching, if you are into reading, you have heard this name. He has been a keynote at the Reading League multiple times. He is a hero to so many of us. And all he wants to talk about are the students who are in his class or the teachers who changed him over time. He's incredible. He's inspirational. He has some of the best stories I've ever heard. Please, this is going to be a great one. Kareem Weaver on More Than a Test. Kareem, thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. It's a little bit like having a hero on. The last time I saw you was a little over a month ago, and we were at the Reading League conference, and I'm there as a guest, and you were the keynote speaker. It was so amazing. Yeah, the Reading League is one of those, it's, one of the, it's an institution at this point. Um, the fact that it's a teacher's um, movement, the folks there, they know their stuff. And they're trying to figure it out. It's, it's, it is, I mean, there are a lot of conferences, you know, there's a whole circuit, but the reading league, I mean, that is, matter of fact, I think they're one of the few organizations that I can say, um, this entire reading movement kind of rests on their shoulders because they're down in the weeds and they're connecting policy with practice. They're the ones, they're the ones, you know, looking at graduate schools and, and pre-K teachers and, and and you name it, and the National Council Teacher called it. So yeah, I was I was honored to be there. I'm glad they asked me, and it was fun. You know, I had a fun time talking to people. You know, like hey, I know you. This is, this is the reading world. It's like if you're in your reading world person, that's the place to go. Kareem, I love that you brought up teachers um, because in your keynote you talked about two things that really resonated with me. The first was about teachers and their and their love and and the love they need to bring to this to this reading war. But the first, the, the other one was about grace. And I want to talk about that first. When you talk about teachers and grace and reading wars, like, what are you talking about? So grace is undeserved favor. And I think sometimes as teachers, we have this complex where, you know, we always want to bootstrap and we always want to be the underdog and all this. And look, we've tried for generations to figure this thing out and people have spent careers working as hard as they could, but at the same time, the results just weren't there. And, you know, we kind of shield ourselves, we protect ourselves from that reality by coming up with all these other narratives. So when it comes time to actually say, wait a second, we could have done something differently. We could have actually impacted the way kids learn to read at higher rates if we had done this, if we had learned that, if we had applied this, that's too much. That's a lot of dissonance right there. Just, just as human beings, yeah. Right. Um, the, the guilt is it is suffocating for many of us because it's not just a job. This is a calling. This is a work. And so knowing that we have an impact on kids lives and their families and their communities and all that other stuff. And we weren't applying the best. Man, we didn't know. So what I'm saying is we got to we got to let it go. We got to let right. it go. We, I mean, we talk about wellness and um, our ability to maintain our sanity. And the willingness to, to get up and try again, man, we, you can't do that while, while having all that on your, on your, on your back. It's like having a big backpack filled with concrete. You got to take that backpack off, man, that guilt and everything, take it off the bag. Can't afford it. You got to give yourself grace, give yourself permission to try again, forgive yourself, knowing that you do the best you can, what you have, even if you got a little bit cynical in the meantime. So that's another thing. So Yes, there's grace, but let's unpack. So sometimes when it doesn't work out, we start to explain things away. We start to blame the kids, the community, the family. We start internalizing all these negative narratives about kids and what's possible. I'm talking about that too, because that's not our best selves. As educators, nobody gets into, into education thinking, well, let me go in here and help these kids who just can't do it. Let me get in there and teach kids from families who just can't, can't th flourish and can't thrive. Nobody. I don't listen. If, if that's a person's framework coming in, uh, they're not going to last that long. Yeah. Most of us have been in for a minute. Know that that's not why we get in there. So if that, if that was our framing, we got to let that go too and forgive ourselves. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's, I'm trying to justify it. I'm just saying you could go, you could spend your whole life ruminating on the past. It's not healthy and it's not productive. You gotta let it go. So grace is, it's not, it's not deserved but it's the right thing to do. Okay, as a principal who paid for OG for my teachers, mm -hmm. I remember having a teacher just sobbing in the training being like, 
Whoa. I didn't, I didn't know this. I didn't know. I didn't know I wasn't doing this. And, and I think that a lot of teachers feel this, this feeling of, I thought I was doing right by kids. And now I understand really? why they're not reading. So I, I appreciate you I think, having this message that I think so many teachers need. Let's talk I about think, the other thing that you talked about at the conference. Well, hold on, hold on, hold on one second. Which again, you don't mind, on I think, second. you know, what we hear a lot is phonics and we hear a lot about explicit instruction and stuff like that. So it was really fun to have someone end with love. Why don't you tell yeah. me about literacy and love yeah. for you? Well, let me just say, I'll talk to you about literacy and love, but what you just mentioned before, I think is huge. I, I think because that's the that's the reality of things. You, when you spend a whole career or even just five or six years of your life doing the best you can and you honestly believe, you honestly believe this is what's best for kids. This is what the field says. And then all of a sudden somebody come around and tell you, well, actually, you're not doing it right or whatever it is. <laughs> uh, you could reach more kids if you did it like this, man. That, that's like a knife to the gut. And it's right. not about who's right and who's wrong. It's about what does this mean for what? What does this mean for the time served and for the kids lost? What What is my culpability in that? Is my Are my hands clean? There has to be some absolution. Right. Um, and all that. So I think you just asked about love, right? What was the, let me make sure I get the framework of your question, right? What was it again? Well, what I love is that you your third element of what we need as part of the science of reading and the reading wars is love. And I think yeah. we've heard enough about phonics. We've heard a lot of the pillars. We know about Scarborough's reading ropes. So tell me about why we need love. Okay. All right. So first of all, there's only one way that <clears throat> the things that we've internalized as a, as a field could have really taken root. You know, some of the, you know, Ken Goodman's um, reading is a psycholinguistic guessing game. We actually believe that stuff. We had made three Q and all like it just even makes sense on his face, but right. we, we soaked it up. Right. But the reason why I think, a lot of that stuff sold and, you know, units of study and other, other programs, at least it felt right. Right. At least, at least in the, in the communication, you know, these ideas of kids and nooks and, you know, it, it just, it felt loving. It felt kind. And especially when you're not really sure what to do, the least you can do is make sure there's some love involved and, and, you know, love wins. It's compelling, just like excellence. Those type of things draw people to it. And when in doubt, follow love, right? The only problem is it wasn't backed by the science and the research. And so what we thought to be a pedagogical hug ended up being, um, a knife in the back, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Undermining their opportunities and their, and their, and their futures. We didn't mean to do it. So with that being said, here you come with the science of reading or evidence-based instruction or, you know, what, what, however you want to label it. If love is not on the agenda, and I mean on the front burner, not the back burner, if we don't come in and say, okay, in addition to this systematic, explicit, direct approach, it has to be done with love. If we don't do that, then we risk becoming like some school networks in the New York area, I won't name them, who <laughs> tried, look, this is actually really, who tried to imitate Marva Collins. Marva Collins, a black educator, um, in the seventies, eighties and nineties in Chicago. And she did the thing. I mean, she, it was it now. Yes. It did throw Shakespeare and all the rest, but it was, this was science of reading laid out operationalized the phonemic awareness, the, the, uh, the, the phonics, the, 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 the vocabulary fluency comprehension, all that type of stuff, the oral language development. They were doing Shakespeare and throw and, 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 and classic literature. They didn't take recess at all. Um, there were no sports. <laughs> at all and people will say my gosh that is like you know that's so sterile nah the reason why it flew the reason why i worked for her is because there was love there so people tried to copy that model right and so they had these these you know had kids walking on the line and mm -hmm. sitting a certain way and they they looked at the trappings of it the accoutrements they didn't they didn't understand that in the core of it was love and it love doesn't always look the same I love my kids. All my students know, I, I listen, I adopted my son from one of my, he was a student of mine. I have untold God children who I love dearly. I'm close to and just regular kids. Like that's what it is. But man, I was a monster in the classroom. Just like I was nuts and bolts. So I wasn't the touchy feely type of teacher. That was my, that's not my style. Right. That's not my personality. Now. I mean, I, I care deeply about my kids and their families. 
but I'm not going to try to be something I'm not. I'm going to be what, what they need me to be for them. So love is, doesn't show up one particular way. First of all, love is a lesson plan. <laughs> love is, love is preparation, right? Love is duty. Love is getting over ourselves. Love is not judging, you know, uh, the circumstances and the situation and this and that uh, for kids and their families. Now, love says I'm flying blind here and, and I'm, I'm going to treat you as if you were the president's son or daughter. Right. That's why I didn't look at my cue folder for the first three or four months right. of the school year. Cause you know, that box where they put all the records in there. I want right. to look at, cause if I look in that folder, they're going to tell me all the problems the kids have. Ain't nothing good in that folder. <laughs> like, I know they can't sit still. They can't read. That's why they can't sit still. I don't need a folder. I don't want to bias myself against a kid by learning the negatives. I Listen, I'm not telling everybody else to do this. Everybody, I'm just telling you the way I did it. Right. I knew that if I saw the stuff, the problems, the issues, then I might start looking at a kid as a problem uh, or an issue. I couldn't afford to do that. Now with 35 high needs kids, let's, let's go get it. I'm seeing you as an individual who I'm going to take this thing step by step. Anyway, we're going from point A to point Z anyway. So I don't need that thing. Right now, if it doesn't work out in tier one, that's why I say, look, it's a tier one problem, not a tier two or three problem, but love is approaching things with, with, um, not just best intentions, but best effort with dedication, doing your duty. Um, being prepared and I, I'd even go so far. And I know, I know this is probably sacrilege. I know they listen, they might turn you off after this, but <laughs> a lot of people say, well, it's gotta be all about relationship. We need relationship first so that we can teach the kids. You gotta have good relationship. No, you don't. No, you don't. Right. I, I know, I know this guy, I know somebody's pissed off right now. You don't, you, you I'm, I'm their teacher. I'm not necessarily your buddy. Like we, we, now we can develop a friendship and, and I, like I say, I have, but let's be clear about what this is. I'm the teacher, <laughs> you the student. I'm not saying I know everything, but it's my job to guide you. And there's going to be sometimes I'm going to have to give you some tough feedback in love. There's going to be some times you might, you might not like it. Your parents might not like it. What I got to say, cause, cause, cause I'm honest enough to tell you the truth and help you get to where you need to go, right? That's love. To me, that's love. But it's not vindictive. It's not about power and control. It's, it's not about anything other than I care for you and I want you to be successful. Not because it's better for my career, but because the human right to know is sacred. And I see you as sacred. And so in love, hey, sit down. <laughs> where's your work where where's your work at no 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 you gotta do it you gotta do it it's, it's not even an option and you can do it and i'm gonna sit here with you until you do like that's you know so i understand love is all through it and it's the only way these fanciful systems that we create these wonderful curriculums that we buy these professional developments we go to it's the only way to actually do that stuff and endure and be able to apply it. That's the sinew is love. That's what right. makes everything stick together. I really love that. <laughs> and I think I think what you're saying when I heard you say about your mentor, Marva Collins, is that like there's these high expectations that can be the way that you love someone. And I think there is actually a lot of research backing what you're saying that the best way to do social emotional learning is through really good work and really yeah. hard work. Like it's in those challenges that yeah. we grow and connect with one another. It's not outside of it. And I think that that's, that has a lot of value. I think it's interesting that you talk about, you know, like I'll ask you any question and I guarantee you're going to find a way to bring in Marva Collins and you're going to find a way <laughs> to bring in your students. <laughs> and so I want to ask you though, how did you end up with this career in literacy, right? Because I think you probably could have taught forever. I think you could have been someone who was in the classroom forever and, and working through everything. So how, how did this become your journey? Um, I think I've always been on this path. Really? I just, I got to a point in life where I had to reckon with what was in the center. You know, um, I was nibbling around the edges. I can remember being a teacher and I mean, I was getting it every year. You know, first, at first it was English only, which meant basically black kids and, and the Latino kids who, who spoke English only. That was that. Then it ended up being bilingual. And I remember asking myself before I transitioned to bilingual, how human am I? 
Can I still approach this with the same love and energy and enthusiasm and commitment and dedication to kids that don't look like me? How human am I? And I actually said, I don't know. Because I grew up wanting to help little black kids like me. I, you know, man, I grew up in the uh, in the hood. It's like, I, I want us to be able to, to, to make it. But do I care about other people's children as much as my as much as my own? And I didn't know the answer to that question, to be honest with you. Wow. Um, but I was willing to try, and I was pleasantly surprised by my own humanity. My heart just melted, man. Kids. <laughs> what did that look like? Tell me. Tell me what your heart melting in a classroom I, I, looks like. I took the first day. The first day, uh, Mr. Marquez. I'm in the office. Uh, you know, it's the first day of school and I'm sitting in there in the office, sitting, just sitting in the chair, taking it all in, doing whatever, maybe just praying to myself or something. And all of a sudden the parent comes in, Mr. Marquez. And, and he says, I want my, he, he says, what is this teacher? Can you ask what is this teacher? <laughs> um, Weaver, did you not understand me? Bilingual. I, bilingual. Okay, I said bilingual. I want my daughter in bilingual. So I speak, and this is all in Spanish. I speak right. Spanish. He don't know I speak Spanish. So there's a black guy sitting in the corner. I'm just peeping all this out. Like, oh, okay. So he don't think, you know, I'm not. I'm not mad at him. But uh, I think that the, the the admin assistant she whispered to him, "Lean over there." Yeah. <laughs> he looked at me. He's like, "Whatever." He don't know. He don't know. That young lady is now one of my goddaughters. Heidi. Um, and I think, and I, I love uh, the family. I taught another sister after that. Uh, it it comes, it, so basically it's a, it's a matter of giving people the space to be real and authentic and not having to stuff them into some predetermined box of what it looks like to be a good person, man, come as you are. And I'm going to be real and honest and loving with you and yours. And I'm going to respect you. And all what you coming in with, I know you don't have, you, you may not like me today, but by my service, you'll know me, right? I'm not asking you to love Kareem because sometimes I'm not, but I can serve and, and my ego ain't involved in it. And when you see me serve, you see me love your daughter. You see, you see when that paper comes home, it's not just with a grade. There's feedback on that paper. I paid attention to details. Matter of fact, I held his daughter back. <laughs> I, I retained her. Because wow. I love her. Yeah, okay. I love her. I can't send her on. She's not ready. She's not ready. You know it and I know it. And the only way we're gonna send her on is if we're tired of her. I'm not I'm not too tired. Come on, wow. come on back. You made a lot of progress. You made a lot of progress, but baby, you got you got you got some ways to go. And Mr. Marquez, Mr. Weaver, I I understand what you're saying. That's <laughs> how I used to say it. But I mean, I think people know when you love their kids. And it's right. not about it's not about how nice you talk to them. It's about how honest you are in in the spirit that you have with it. Um, she was a hard worker. She was incredibly funny and kind. I think she was dyslexic. I didn't back then. I I, I didn't know, but now hindsight, I think she was dyslexic. Um, but it was my job to get her to excellence, and I held that standard for her and helped her to get there. And he appreciated that uh, for her and the other sister too. So. You know, that's what it looked like. Love is what you do day to day. It's not about having a bumper sticker or something, you know, all that type of virtue signaling. All that's fine. But I'm just saying, like, show me your service. That's the love. Like I say, it's a lesson plan. It's do I plan for that child? Do I love that child? And where are we going to get them to? So that's that's how I would answer that. Okay. So so let's talk about that journey. So, we, so you were teaching English only, then bilingual with yeah. this lovely little girl, Heidi. And then, and then what happened next? Um, well, there's a lot before that, but I won't go into all that unless you want me to. I'll, I'll, um, just go from there. After that, well, after that, I became a principal. Um, there's this organization called new leaders for new schools. Right. And their, their thing is they turn around schools, you know, schools that are really struggling and they train leaders to turn them around. And, um, there was a guy who I mentored who was a teacher and he did the program and came back and said, Weaver, you gotta do this, you gotta do this. It's like, I don't know. I really, I was scared to leave the classroom because, you know, first of all, I was 
effective at it. And that was my lane. And I felt like I needed the kids just as much as they needed me, you know? Um, but I had been divorced. And part of the reason why I got divorced was because I was, that's my personality. Like I'm all in, that's not healthy. That's why you hear me telling people wellness is important. It's because I didn't been there. It's not a shtick. It's, 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 this is the reality. People, people, man, so many marriages break up off this. Uh, it's the same as like ER doctors. They, they, the stress that they bring home is just a lot for, for a couple to, to bear. So anyway, so I had to really think about it. Then my wife was like, you know, this is your calling and da, 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 We were teachers together. So she, she knows my get down and she's like, I'm going to be here. Don't worry about it. We going we going we can do it. We can mm-hmm. do it. So with that, I went on ahead and trained in new leaders um, and then became an assistant principal, then a principal and led some schools and had some success um, helping kids get what they need. Matter of fact, my first principalship in Oakland was uh, I chose a school that had been on strike the year before. All the parents took the kids out of school and put them on strike. That's like, no, nah, we're done with this place. This place is toxic. We don't like these teachers. We don't like the environment. We on strike. <laughs> It's like, that was my people right there. I want to go to that school. So we went there and the school turned around over the course of a couple of years. The teachers did great. The teachers worked their butts off. They figured some stuff out. Uh, I probably lost my job three or four times. I could have lost it because if you're going to do right, you can't be afraid to lose your job. Right. You just can't be. As a principal, forget about it. So anyway, so that was my next step. And then from there, I have done other things. But it's all in education. I've even been a funder. I was a funder at um, new schools for a while. Some people that hate new schools. I was like, they're, I was in charge of the innovative schools portfolio. So I was like, oh, I get to give people money? You get a check. You get a check. You get a check. <laughs> it was traditional public schools, any school. Y'all could come if you make the case. I'm like, hey, I want to give it to the people that are doing the work. At the same time, I told them, I was like, I'm not here for silver bullets, though. Like, right. the solution is good teaching and learning. The innovation isn't the thing. The discipline, the hard work, and the sacrifice and the service is the thing. We already know what to do. That's not exactly their model. Their model is we need a new, a, a, you know, something. We're trying to find new models of, of school. I'm like, the model, Marvel Collins was 40 years ago. That's the model. So it's cool. So I've done, I've done, I've done a bunch of stuff. So what I think is interesting is that when you talk about teaching, you talk about being all in. Yeah. But right before this episode, you had to close 37 tabs on your computer. And when I asked what they were, you said, they're all reading. Yeah. And this is all you, this is what you're all about. Tell me why you're all about it. I'm just focused like a laser on this stuff. And I realized that, um, you know, if you do a root cause analysis, a wishbone or a five whys, just keep asking, why is that? Why is that? Okay. Um, the city is a mess. Why? Oh, because unemployment is bad. Why is unemployment bad? Because of this. And why is that bad? Because of that. Why, 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 why? You keep getting back. And the bottom line is people can't read. And so with that knowledge, knowing that it's a root cause of a lot of these social issues, man, I've just taken it to heart. I'm tired of nibbling around the edges. I'm tired of doing things. We're only going to be here for so long. Matter of fact, my ex-wife just passed away last week, 49 years young. You know, uh, yeah, she didn't even make it to 50. I was like, what happened? I don't even know what happened. Um, like, we're not going to be here for that long. So why mess around with it? It's kind of like when I was in South Carolina, I was singing in church choir and I passed out. And um, just passed out. I was just, I woke up, I was in the front row. And... They found out I had a heart condition. Wow. You know, yeah, yeah. It's, you ever hear about people who play sports and they just drop dead? Yeah. Yeah, that's what that is. It's, it's a heart inflammation thing. Ironically, a lot of a lot of more people are having their hearts inflamed, so they drop it. That's a whole other conversation. But but um, that made me realize when I, when that happened to me, and there's no cure. There's no at that point there was no cure. So I'm like. Okay, they said, don't run, don't drink caffeine, and you're good. I was like, man, you ain't said nothing but a word. I ain't running <laughs> nowhere. Let me sit down and watch this game. <laughs> so, but, but on the real, though, it made me realize how precious life is. And, and 
to not wait till tomorrow what you can do today. What's your goals? What are you what are you here to do? What is your work? I'm not talking about your job. What is your work? Why are you here? If people really wrestle with that, we, we we'd act a whole different way. That's why I was a teacher the way I was, because man, I I taught like death was chasing me. You know, yeah. I I had, you know, I basically I passed out, and and came back, and that happened to me twice. But that does something to you. So I'm not I'm not gonna live scared. I'm not gonna. So I don't have time to play games with what I'm supposed to be doing. I was okay. just gonna stay a shrink. I was gonna stay a shrink for a long time. I was like, why am I gonna sit here and do something I don't really love to do and listen to other people's problems all day long? Nah, uh-uh. Let me go work with these kids. I know this where my heart is. And I wanna I want you know, an ounce of prevention. I wanna on the front end help some people out instead of on the back end helping them out. So that's that's how I look at it. So you found your work, you found your calling, and I, and I have to I have to ask about two of the things that I've heard you say about reading. I think I think it's great. I think what you're saying about this is who you are and this is what you were meant to do and this yeah. is your problem to solve is is special. But there's two things that I I love that I've heard you say, and the first is there can be no equity, no justice without literacy. Tell That's me right. about that. That's right. Listen, I'm not talking about virtue signaling. I'm not talking about putting the yard sign on your front lawn. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real equity. I'm talking about, no, I'm not talking about equity either. I'm talking about access to human rights. If if you don't have literacy, you're out the game. You're out the game. So so the civil rights movement came and went, and people can sit in the lunch counter now, right? But they can't read the menu. So what's the point? How do you go get a small business loan? You know, I was telling uh, some folks uh, other day, I was in Savannah, Georgia, like it's a whole different ball game when you lose your job and you can't read. Right. Like losing your job is a normal, that's life. Like it happens. The plant closes, people get fired or whatever, reorg, but you can't read and you lost your job. Now what are we going to do? The stress that that, ha- that, that comes with that. Um, so if we're talking about social justice and if we're talking about civil rights and 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 freedoms and all the rest. I mean, a lot of it is just talk unless we can actually do the things. We have to operationalize freedom. Yeah, okay, you can vote, but if you can't read the ballot, how free are you? You just, you just, you know, all you know is what people tell you. You can't read it for yourself. You, you, you go to church and the minister will tell you something, a synagogue or temple or whatever it is. And, and, and it's just what they say. You can't read the scriptures for yourself. There's a kind of, no, it's not a kind of, it's a form of bondage, societal bondage. Now, listen, if this was, you know, a uh, caveman era, it'd be different. You don't need to read, you know, uh, uh, some, some war and peace, you know, with dinosaurs or whatever. But this is, this is 2023, right? You got to read. I don't care if it's a small business loan, if it's a, taking a driver's license uh, test, if it's, man, to get a job, to keep a job to improve yourself or just to acquire knowledge, to know what's going on in the world, to be an informed citizen. So that, that you look, the Republic depends upon an informed citizenry and you can't be informed unless you can access the information. So let me tell you, yesterday I was um, I was reading something in the Aurora Sentinel and Aurora's like, it, I live in Colorado, Denver is like the city everyone knows, Aurora's like yeah. right next to Denver, yeah, right? Yeah, also yeah. urban. And what they said was, They'd expected to see a literacy bump. They expected to see kids growing because they finally got rid of balanced literacy and we came back from COVID. Their literacy rates, the kids who were on grade level in third grade, 30% of white kids could read. I think it was 14% of black kids could read on grade level. It was shocking to read this. So if this is, if this is, you know, when you, when I see that, I, I automatically can see exactly what you're talking about, the bondage and about this gap, but yeah. it's low for everybody. So tell me a little bit about what you, is that what you're seeing in Oakland? Is that, what do you Man, think? it's everybody. So, okay. I'm glad that you mentioned this because we often frame this in, in a racial sense. You know, we talk about the achievement gap. We make it seem as if white people are doing great. I'm not the white apologist, but at the same time, I'm not going to deny reality. Their scores suck too. <laughs> and, and on top of that, I think it is the height of um, indecency to talk about a gap and peg a failing white community's scores as the standard that you're trying to get to. 
this 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 there's some um internalized oppression there why would anybody want to have that why would anybody want 30 percent? that's three out of ten right so if i'm saying oh we got to worry about the achievement gap oh so i can get three out of ten two like them then we'll be good <laughs> no no for real though for real something is wrong with us i mean we we have and there's a lot i know history and it goes into it but white is not the standard excellence is a standard and that's a challenge for everybody everybody can get behind that but it also means i gotta let some things go some narratives go right now i don't know if if the narrative i'm talking about excellence for all that might not be that might not be buzzy enough you know what i mean that might be pop not not be popular enough i get it right but i try to be popular i ain't I, like it, okay fine cool whatever you keep with your achievement gap and all that type of stuff. I'm not I'm not trying to hear about really I don't even want to hear about equity, to be honest with you. I mean, what is that? That's an abstract concept. It's like unity. It don't mean nothing. Unity is only matters in relationship to what you're unifying about. You know, uh pimps are, are unified, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, uh uh gang members are unified, drug dealers are unified. That don't mean it's good. Right. Right. You you can have people being unified and doing terrible things. So that so it's the principle. It, that's just the relationship. To, so my thing is equity is abstract. Let's make it concrete. It's equity about what? It's access to a standard of excellence. That's what I'm after. Now, if you define that as equity, OK, cool, fine. Then we can play ball. But if, if you just try to be even with another group of people over here who's struggling, their dog on self, man, we can't get down. That's a problem. And it's the same in Aurora, it's the same in Atlanta, it's the same in Oakland, California, all across the country. The people who are focused on literacy, the ones who are talking about um, um, the, the gap and how we need to close the gap, man, I challenge them. Would you want that for your community? Right. Would you really? Absolutely who? not. So let's say it's 30%, right? You said Aurora's 30 Let's say it was 50%. Is, is that cool? Are we good with that? So I, I have guess two the kids. One of my kids I'm not saying, gonna read, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Real talk, real talk. So so the, the real question is how good is good enough? How good? If we just cut the cut the 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 all the appearances, how good is good enough for our kids? What do we think our kids are capable of? And what do we think we're capable of doing on their behalf? That's the question. And when I say I'm talking about all the kids. Now, yeah. when you call that question, you gotta answer some things. Oh, well, are you saying these kids can do it and those kids can't? Are you saying those with money can do it and those who can't? Name it. Sometimes you got to call the question, as we say in Robert's Rule. You got to call a question. Right. Where do you stand on kids' capacity to learn? American Federation of Teachers, and I quote them all the time because they've been on it. They said 95% of all kids can learn. Only a small right. handful of kids who have significant you know, learning disabilities. 95%. I know people who are scared to say that. Yeah. Scared to say that. Because if if they say that, then if we're not getting there, then something must be wrong with us. I'm willing to say that. I'm willing to say, I just don't know enough yet. I'm willing to say, I got to learn more. But I know what I know about these kids. They can do it. And I will take a person like that. Even if even if they're a rookie or if they're a veteran, I don't care what color they are or what gen, I don't, I don't care. If you have that mindset, or if you're at least curious enough about it to try, we can partner. We can get down because that's what our kids need from us. The belief, the indomitable belief that, that we're the difference maker. It's our collective efficacy or our belief that we can make the difference that does make the biggest difference. I'm not saying stuff doesn't matter. Poverty, trauma, whatever, whatever, whatever. But I'm black. Trauma ain't nothing new. And, and my ancestors learned to read coming out of slavery. What? So you can't tell you can't tell me that uh, trauma and, and and racism and all the other stuff. You can't tell me that it it keeps us from being able to do it. It may be a hindrance, sure, but you know we all got hindrances. Life is about hindrances. It's not about what's holding you back. It's about what you you know the, the get up and go you got about yourself. Whatever's hindering you, can you still do it anyway? And that's what we need. You know, what I'm saying and this is that's my view. I know that might not be popular to each his own. I'm not even trying. I'm not even trying to convince people. If you want to believe that the achievement gap is sacrosanct and that the black kids are this way and the bilingual kids are that way and the poor kids are this, and the man, I'm, I'm too tired to fight that battle. 
I'm just telling you what I know. When I was a teacher, we got all kids to read. All means all. I had a couple of exceptions and, and to this day, I adopted one because, you know, I couldn't let, I couldn't turn him loose because he didn't, he wasn't ready to go. How are you going to turn a kid loose into the world? And you know, he's not ready to go. I could, right. I can't do that. I'm a witty, I'm a witty, you know, uh, and another kid, she, uh, was a recent immigrant and we were making progress, but then she left and a third kid got killed. Those, those three, that's it. Everybody else, they can get there. They can get, they, well, they can get there too, but they didn't get there. And that's on me. That's on me. But everybody else, you know, so you can't convince me that our kids can't do it. I ain't trying to hear that, period, point blank. I think I want to dial in on something you said, which is 95% of kids can learn. Yeah. And if that's not happening, something else needs to change. And I think we've yeah. identified that, right? Our literacy, our literacy instruction was sucked for a long time. We were doing the wrong thing and we've acknowledged that we need to do something different. And I, and I want to tap in a little bit on teaching. I'm going to go a little lighter for us because you have this other quote that I absolutely love and I think so many teachers needed to hear, which was... Hold on one second, Laura. Before you hit the other quote, let me just say that that's a big thing you just said. And I need educators to understand that is not... It may feel this way, but it is not an attempt to, to discredit your effort, your service, your sacrifice, your love, your commitment. I get it. I'm not saying that. I, I, I want people to hear that people have given all they can and fallen short in terms of the effectiveness for kids. Right. It doesn't diminish. It doesn't diminish your heart, but we have to make sure that we understand the objective. If the objective is to get kids to read and with all of our heart, we weren't getting there. It's only right for us to reflect on it and think about what we, we could have better. done differently. Yeah, that's all it is. It's, it's the, but don't don't be like, oh, you, like she, you know, Laura's bashing teachers. No, nah, that's, that's not it. I don't <laughs> think it is you bashing teachers. I am a teacher, so I never would. But I would. what I would say is the really good teachers I know, they're just like you. They remember the name of every kid who didn't get there. They remember the name of every kid. I remember the name of every kid that in my classes that didn't get there. And, 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 and as a result, they're trying to get better. And, and as a result, they're thinking, yeah. okay, what do I need to do differently? And this gets me to this thing that I wanted to bring up about, you know, science of reading and phonics. One of the things that I heard you say about teachers that I thought was, I thought was, is good and valuable is if your classroom is boring, don't blame phonics. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was going to go lighter for us for a second, yeah, right? I, I wasn't trying to be funny when I said it. I just, I get so frustrated. I mean, I hear people saying, oh, that phonics is dry, it's boring, kids are going to be bored and all this. Like, wait a second, can we just be honest for a second? Right. Some people are just boring. We, we haven't, we, we, man, we got, come on, come on. There's three teachers. I, this is when I was, a, so my last, uh, when I was a teacher, usually it's three or four classes at every grade level, right? Everybody knows Mr. So-and-so is boring. The kids know it, the parents know it, the teachers know it. I'm not saying that they're not good, but they're just boring. It's just a person. It's a personality thing. Right. Right. And so let's just, let's not try to act like um, we don't have some say so over how this thing rolls out. Part of it is just us. And we have to be able to breathe life into this stuff. And that's why I, I push people. I encourage them. We have to stop fussing and fighting and arguing about, the detail. I mean, the science is clear at this point. There's been a research right. consensus for decades, and this is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Like, come on, stop that. Stop that. Yes, oral language development matters. Yes, phonics and phonemic awareness and vocabulary fluency comprehension and writing matters. Yes. If you're arguing about that, you're wasting your time. Don't don't spin your wheels on that. But what we got to do as educators is say, okay, that's the that's what I have to teach. Now, I got to focus on how I'm teaching. Right. I have to focus on the 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 everything from my tone to my cadence to the activities i have to have extensions and the safety nets for every lesson i have to plan i have to i have to plan my lessons for the kids furthest away from opportunity that per my lesson is planned so that larry well in the, put him in the right to read film so that's why i'm saying larry larry's right. in the heart of it if if this lesson is not going to get larry where he needs to go it's not good enough how can i plan it i'm not going to wait until he fails to include him in the planning. No, he's in the center right now. That's yeah. 
that's the love and dedication that 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 we have to have for for our kids. It's the planning. It's the quality of service. But I, I you know, I just it's not boring. We're boring, you know. And and and, and say, listen, chemistry to me, like anything can be boring. Anything can be boring. Like, you know, the old Ferris Bueller movie, anything could be boring. You can have a teacher just like drawing on and on and on and on. I don't care whether it's Paul Revere's ride. I don't care whether it's math or science. I don't care if it's reading. Like, phonics ain't nothing different. It's just another class. It's just content. You know what I mean? Electromagnetism. Boring. Unless you as a teacher breathe life into it and make it attractive to the child however with your create that's the art that's the art of the profession the science is the science but the art is the art and you can't get around that you you, you and i'm not saying there's one way to do it but there's beauty in this profession it's a craft and and no nah, it's it's boring if we make it boring. It don't have to be boring. I did sound cards, you know, the the the, the letter sounds and the, yeah, the spelling yeah. patterns. And people say, well, man, my kids love that stuff. Right? Add a little action games. to it. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Why not? not? Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes it was, man, I'm, as you're talking, I'm like two inches from your, from your mouth, my ear. I, and I tell them, I want to hear the, I want to hear the very nuance of sound. I want, I want to hear the micro sounds. I want to hear if you breathe in it. I'm, I'm all in their chest like that. I want to, I, I need to understand if you, how you elocute and everything. So I'm right there listening. Okay. 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 Like, like it is just having fun with it, but with diligence and attention to detail. Hey, at the end of your sounds, I hear you saying, uh, tuh, ruh, cuh, muh. No, 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 no. Cut that out. Mm, be precise. Class, how should we say the sound? Let's, I need you to be tighter with your stuff. And, 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 and just, man, you got to teach like your hair is on fire. But that looks different for different folks. But we're not, the content isn't boring. Right. All right. It's us. It's us. So let me ask you this. If you're a teacher, right now, I'm sure there is a teacher somewhere listening and yeah. they are hearing everything they never needed to hear, right? They, they're they hearing, it's true though, right? The people who are like you, they're, it's like magnets. They they know the names of the kids who didn't make it. They know yeah. the name of the teacher down the hall who's just a little too boring. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. they know that something is knocking on their heart telling them that they are meant for for more to, for this for this challenge, for this literacy, yeah. for whatever. What would you tell them? When I was a teacher, when I was first starting off as a teacher, in the black community, in the education world, there this is early '90s. There was this big debate: Are great teachers born, born or, or are they made? That was a big conversation. Are they born? Great teachers, are you born? And most of the older veteran teachers would be like, "No, nah, you got to be born with that." Um, what I would tell people is, effective teachers can be made. You can build your practice to the point where you're so good at it that you ain't got to take a backseat to nobody. So good at with the kids, when the parents, when the parents know they fighting to get their kid in your room, it, it's worth the it's worth the the struggle. It's it's worth the sacrifice. It's worth the learning. I know that it's frustrating because we like we already went to school once or twice. Why well, I got to go back again? I got to take another letters class. That's a, that's like a graduate level class. Why well, I got to do that? You know, all I can tell you is on the other side of that, man, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And when you know you have the skill of being able to teach a child to read consistently, when you right. have that in your pocket, you move differently. You feel differently. You act differently. When kids act up sometimes, instead of getting mad at them, you laugh at them. You're like, oh, he just ain't learned yet. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait till I give me a little more time with him. He's going to be all right. Just sit yeah. down, son. You, just be cool. I got you. You know, it just, it is a, it's a, it's not just a relief. It's enlivening. It plugs you in as a teacher. Yeah. And I, all I can tell people is if you're struggling and you're thinking, man, do I really want to go through all that? You know, I thought I was good, but I know I've got some gaps. We all have gaps, but I know I've got do I really want to, maybe it's just not meant for me. All I can say is you can make it. I'm not saying that you're going to be that teacher who's like a, a, a theater conductor up there. You know, I maybe it's, but it's your personality. Right. You bring it to bear. There is no one archetype of a good teacher, 
no personality trait. And this, this is some people think, oh, you got it. Like I know I was more of a demonstrative type. Yeah, and I'd be dripping sweat at the end of the day, <laughs> every day, dripping sweat. And I wouldn't let my, if school ended at 2.40, at three o'clock, they might get let out. It was, I was ridiculous, right? Right. But not, man, you ain't got to do all that. Just do your job. Be prepared. Be prepared. Be consistent. Be informed. Pay attention to detail. And, 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 and that is a form of greatness. And you don't have to take a backseat to nobody. And it's worth it. That's worth striving for. I love this concept of that. Once you have the tools to teach a kid how to read in your pocket, they're like you Man. walk differently. Like that's a hundred. Like I hope every teacher who's going through science of reading right now for the first time really hears that. Let me ask you something about science of reading. What, what is the most exciting, inspiring part of science of reading for you? And what is the part that is keeping you up at night? Like, what are you worried about knowing that we now know, like the research is really out there. It's out there for everybody to have for kids to really learn to read what what what's exciting you and what is keeping you up at night which one you want first let's all i always go positive first what's exciting to me is that um there are some universities who are beginning to make changes that's the toughest nut to crack. It's not the kids. <laughs> it's not even K-12. It's these universities who have faculty and deans who all some other stuff. You can't tell them nothing. They're so far disconnected from the reality and the impact of their practices that they just be spouting off. They, they just, their methods class is just ridiculous and it's all theory. But there are some that are starting to change. That is incredibly exciting to me. Um, I can't just keep it to one thing that, that 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 is like the main thing because that nut is such a tough one to crack. I'm also excited that this is a teacher led movement. That's exciting to me. If it wasn't, I don't think it would persist. The fact that the fact that AFT, American Federation of Teachers, the fact that they've been saying this for decades. But nobody's been listening. Tells it says more about us than it does about them. Yeah, we're so partisan, you know, but they've been consistent with it. And I think the fact that, you know, I was just at the last um, it was called AF teach the last big conference they had. And I'm sitting on the front row because I'm doing an interview with um, a panel with some people and their president, uh, Randy Weingarten, gets on stage and she's saying, and the science of reading this and we got a five point plan and we're going to invest five million dollars in teacher training. And, this, da, 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 and she's going on, 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 on. Now I'm sitting up here saying, look at this, huh, man, the fact that it's a teacher led movement. Now I know there's also NEA and they, they're still on their journey getting there, but you know, if this, if this was not led by teachers, I would be worried because you can't do it without teachers. But fortunately, fortunately it is being led by educators. And, uh, if people don't like it, get over it. It's got to be led by them because they're the ones day to day in the classroom grinding, trying to get this for the get reading for the kids up. So that's incredibly encouraging to me. On the downside, the the, the negative side, what, what keeps me up at night, man, it's the partisanship. Right. I worry about my folks, my black folks. We, I, there's some trust issues we have with anything perceived as white. And for good reason, I mean, I'm just saying, like, is this a white movement? Is this more that stuff they do every now and then? <laughs> they just throw stuff at the wall. But wait a second. Wait, hold on. And I'm worried that this will get painted with a color brush, like almost everything else. Because once that happens, man, nothing good, nothing, nothing good. Now, I'm not saying there isn't a racial component. But doggone it. Do we believe in our kids or not? This is the same stuff Marvel Collins was talking about. Right. right? So what y'all, this is what Ida B. Wells and them was doing. What y'all talk about? Like, I'm worried that our division, political and racial, will kill it. I'm 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 worried that that our political divisions are the knife that's gonna slice our slice our kids' opportunities clear in half. And that we so caught up in our own, we're so selfish. 
as a as a society that we don't even perceive it. That's my that's what keeps me up at night. And look, I'm not saying that we got to get along with everything else. I, you know, you 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 seem like a nice person and everything. I, you seem to be nice. I don't know you like that, but that's that's why that's why. But but we don't have to know each other to get along. We can do this podcast like this. Some I was in a uh, thing the other day. And they were talking about uh, relationship. You have to be in relationship. That's that's like the coin of the realm. Everything you gotta have. It start. Everything starts with a good relationship. Good coaching starts with relationship and teaching relationship. Relationship. And I said, no, you don't. No, you don't. You start with your duty. Start with your service. And then that builds credibility. That builds trust and confidence. That builds mutual respect, understanding, and appreciation. That's relationship. And then from that, it can grow. Isn't that wonderful? But if you never like me, I'm okay with that as long as you learn. Right. I'm not trying to, I I, I want you to be self-actualized. I, I need you to be empowered and equipped. I need you ready to do battle with society. It's not about me. It's not about me. And if there's a teacher or educator who thinks it's about them, you're in the wrong profession. It's about the kids and what they need. And so that means that whether the parents like you or not, listen, we got it. Yes, you're going to sound this out. I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to support you, but I'm not centering myself in this. So I guess all that to say is it's not just unity. It's also our ability to be selfless. I question that. And then we're too invested in our tribes to do what's right for kids. That's what keeps me up at night. I will tell you, I saw a teacher say to another teacher recently, I was at I was at a training and what I, I want to get this right. One of the teachers said something along the lines of like, well, you told me the last thing was going to work. Mm. Like, like, why do I have to trust you? And it, and it didn't. Ooh. And her and I watched her little like t- partner across the table say to her. Yeah. You just said it. It didn't work. It doesn't matter why they're telling us now. It doesn't matter what they told us in the past. We know that didn't work. We got to at least try. Like, here's where we are. And it was it was so interesting watching her just say, well, like, that's the only, like, we got to let everything else go. It didn't work. That's what matters right now in this moment. I get that you're hurt. I get that you're upset, but it didn't work. Yeah. And that's all we got to care about is getting these kids to read. And it, it was it was a moment for me that meant a lot, watching someone yeah. just kind of put everything that had happened to her yeah. in, the pa- in the past with her own district, with her school, with her own academics in the yeah. past because she could see what what her kids needed. It was really neat. And Laura, what about the credibility though? So that person who, you know, yeah, you're right. It didn't work. Well, the whoever started that initiative, whoever made the case that it would work in the first place, isn't there a role for accountability? I mean, I, I, I wonder what did that person need to move forward? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I got to hear it. I didn't get to see it, but I hear what you're saying. I didn't get to go deeper, but I, I think that's true of like, who did, what did she need to see? Did she need to see the person, the district person who brought balanced literacy to them, you know, own it or whatever. And I think yes. that that's where that grace yeah. comes in, right? If that person can stand up and say, I was wrong. Yes. Then we could all maybe, I think, I think you're pulling on something that maybe we could all need to hear is that it's okay to stand up and say, I was wrong. We were wrong. And now we're going to be better. We got to dig in right here. So is that district person who made the, the decision is humility. It's, it's willing to say, I, I blew it. I mess. I, it doesn't mean I'm a bad person. doesn't mean I'm trying to harm kids, but I, with, with all the knowledge that I had in my training and everything else, that's what I thought. But now I know better and I can't sit on it because I care about the work, the kids, the adults too much. So I have to own up to it. When was the last time you saw a chief academic officer say, oops, my bad. We've been promoting all these people. 70% of the schools in the country still do balanced literacy today, right now. Right. But the ones who have pivoted, where, where are the people at who are going from one school to the next, one district to the next? And it's like, they just have amnesia about their record. <laughs> Is there any accountability? There's no apology. You can't. T- and so, and so, man, look, let's say you and I are teaching in fourth grade and uh, and we're doing this whole language and balanced literacy and whatever other method we're trying out and it's not working. I end up sick. You end up divorced. 
because we're we're spinning our wheels right trying to make it go and there is no there there i don't care how hard you try there's there's holes in a bucket and so if the new person comes in the same person who got us on the treadmill in the first place the same person who kind of messed up your family life in the first place the same the same people now they say you know laura um i went to a conference and, and they said this and i've now learned this like what is your threshold for being okay with it what is your yeah. threshold for being okay with it? it like how much of a mea culpa do you need i mean th that's the real that's the real man it's like nobody want to admit that that they was wrong and and kids didn't get to the point where they can't read by themselves and teachers <laughs> didn't get to the point where they struggle to teach reading by themselves there are a lot of people making decisions who have a lot to be accountable for who are m-i-a m-i-a and that's a whole other thing about leadership but you're absolutely right yeah. you know absolutely right well, we've gone really deep and all over the place. And I tell you, I have, I'm looking at my notes. I had like 20 more questions for you, but we are out of time. So I'm going to move us to our five rapid fire wow. and maybe we'll bring you back in like a few months okay. and go through some more stuff and see where you're at, because this has just right. been so inspiring and like tugging at my heart and my soul. And I cannot wait for other teachers to hear this. So, well, let me ask you this before you, before you go to the question, tell what me. was it that was said that like, is there anything in particular, any topic that we covered that makes you say, huh, I think that's a thing that we probably need to go into as a sector. Well, I'll tell you what I heard that I don't think I've heard before, at least. Let me start there of like, when you said it, I was like, someone, you might be the only person brave enough to say things like this. And I think a couple of things was like, let's not strive for white, let's strive for excellence, I think is something that, especially right now when I'm looking at the scores coming out and it's not looking hot for anyone, I think said a lot to me. Um, I think a lot of what you're saying around it being a teacher-led movement, I think isn't being said enough because there's lots of organizations trying to jump on the bandwagon. And I love that you're like shoving, and I think we need to keep pushing that up. Um, and then I think the other thing that I'm hearing is there is a lot of baggage we are carrying yeah. in every single role, teacher, yeah. tech, a di district person, whatever. And, and the reality is, is like, we're never going to do what's right for kids if we don't drop the baggage wherever we're standing. And that might be saying it's my fault. That might be yeah. going to get the training. It looks a lot different for every person, but we all need to drop the baggage yeah. in order to really grow. And I think that's the secret. So if you do it and I do it and we're on the same team, imagine what we could do together. Right. If you let go of your stuff, if if we can figure out a way, we, we may never even talk that much as colleagues. We may pass by except for the lunchroom every now and then, but but we all have our own stuff. But if 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 you feel comfortable enough from with me and I feel comfortable enough with you that I can be vulnerable and admit that I've been bamboozled, that I haven't been doing what I need to do for kids for whatever reason, if I can be vulnerable in that space with you. And, and you can likewise be that vulnerable with me. If we're on the same grade level, imagine what we could then do. Right. Imagine. Because now, now we're compatriots. Now we're together. Now, now, now you were talking about relationship. Now that's, that's a professional relationship because I'm trying to get it. You try to get it and you're not trying to big time me. And you're not trying to make me feel less than I am and it's vice versa. Now, well then let's go get it. And then the schools that are being successful is they have that culture. It's a culture of we are going to be honest about these things for better or worse. And we're going to move forward. So, yeah. I'm, uh, so it's interesting to me, uh, your takeaways of some of these things, because everybody's different, you yeah. know, um, but we but we definitely need to have the ability to have grace and move forward together. So, yeah, thank you for sharing. That. I appreciate it. Yeah, it really just reminds me of the stuff that Brene Brown always says around shame, right? Like shame only lives if you yeah. don't say anything about it, right? It's when you bring it to the light that you get to let go of it is if you got to give it to other people as well. And I think I think it's true. And I think that there's a lot of I think that's something else that we're not talking about is the shame that people feel about the fact that they were good. They thought they were good teachers. They, you know, they, they loved kids from where we started in this conversation. Yeah. But the kids weren't uh, reading. Overcoming shame and fear is two sides of the same coin. So what we're lacking is courage. I think people think that courage means you're not scared of anything. That ain't right. 
Courage means you're scared, you're shame, you're fearful, whatever, and you do it anyway. Anyway, it's, right? It's, it's, that's why. That's why you can't divorce duty from this conversation. It's the anyhow generation. I feel terrible about some of the things that have happened in education, and I'm going to do it anyhow, yeah. anyhow, because I love the profession and because I love the kids. I'm going to let go. I'm going to do it anyhow. And I might be shamed while I'm doing it. I might be shamed, man. I hope nobody finds out just how bad I screwed up the last few years. <laughs> For real. For real. Hopefully I get to the place where I can let go of some of that. But in the meantime, in between time, I'm starting today. I'm starting now. You you have agency to start a new course and let stuff go. Just as right. a human being, we have to give each other grace. That's courage. That's courage. And we, t we understand it when it comes to military and other things, but when it comes to things like education, for some reason, we just don't, we don't, we don't, we, we, we don't connect the dots, but courage means you do it anyhow. Yes. And that's what we need from our educators right now. We need an anyhow generation. I like it. I'm, I'm going to definitely keep that. I'm going to write anyhow somewhere, do it anyhow on my, and keep it for anyhow. us. So, thank that's you. Right. I appreciate that. All right, here we go. Last five Let's questions. Go. Let's All go. right, the name of the podcast is More Than a Test, but everybody hears those words and thinks it means something different. When you heard More Than a Test, what did it mean to you? <laughs> more Than a Test? Mm -hmm. It just means being real. This ain't a test. It's not for show. It's just about being real. It's been off. I, I take that and I took that as mean, let's just be authentic. I like that. It's more than a test. This ain't for show. It's not just for accountability. It's like, oh, it's just, uh, let's, let's, let's get into it. So to me, it was just authenticity. I like that. Um, tell us about a lit moment in your life. And what we mean by that is a time, a moment of you in a book <laughs> that is either like your happy place or it changed you. So a time that you were with a book that was really important to you. Um, I read a book when I was probably like 10 years old called the K the K is about this, uh, <laughs> I think it was a white kid and a black guy on this Island. And he had a, and, and it was Jamaican. Like it was like a patois, like an accent in the book. The author wrote it. And it was the first time I'd ever read a book or read anything that had, um, the language was artistic. He, he wrote it according to the sound. So I could hear this Jamaican accent on the beach and he would talk and it took a while to get into it. And I heard it and I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> this is fun. Okay. Okay. Oh, black man from Jamaica with the oxymoron and talking. I was like, oh, but I could hear it by the way he wrote it. That made me realize that the language is not sterile. That the language is also art. And that was, so that was a lit moment for me. That was a lit moment. How old were you? I think I was probably like nine or 10. That's cool. All yeah. right. A piece of technology you love. I don't love none of it. <laughs> it was terrible. This world's going to hell in a handbag behind this technology, man. We, we don't even talk to each other. We don't like each other. We don't look each other in the face. We don't shake hands. We don't open no doors. We, we, we ignore each other. We ignore the details of life. We ignore the sunrise. We, we ignore the sunset. We ignore everything in between. Like, right. why, why, you know, I know, I know you didn't expect that answer. I'm sorry. That's the old no, man. I love it. I love your answer you know and I'm going to stick with it. But here's what I'm going to tell you. I'm going to give you a what little you piece know? of truth from me. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I go watched ahead. you close 37 tabs before we did this thing and, uh, your, little, uh, and your little heart broke. Uh, I could see it in your eyes. You were like, so you uh, love your tabs is what uh, you love. Yeah, I'm just sure, telling you, sure. I watched I it happen. All right. Okay. All right. Let me say this. Let me say this. Technology that I do love is non-existent right now. Oh. Uh, Leapfrog Schoolhouse used to have this uh, these stuff called um, Turbo Twists and Leap Track System, and it was an adaptive technology piece. Mm. Like I was a first user, uh, uh, what do you call it, a trial user, whatever. We killed it, killed <laughs> it. Now, it helped me teach. It helped me do my job better. It helped the kids learn. So I much respect for them. I, I think I think they're in business now, but you can't get that thing anymore. So yeah, technology, that was cool. Back in the I'll day. be honest, I don't know what it is, but I'll look it up. It was the bomb. All right, best advice you've ever been given. Best advice I've ever been given. Well, I'll go straight to my grandfather. What would he say? Uh, and he said a lot of things. You ain't gonna, you might not like this. He said, well, you might. 
He said, before you get married, go grocery shopping with the young lady. He said, uh, when she goes grocery shopping, go with her. He said, if she if she put in, uh, now this is old now. He said, if they put in TV dinners and that thing, man, if, if she putting in uh, can this and can that, run. <laughs> run. He said, she can't take care of herself. You have kids. You better be ready to take care of everybody because she can't even take care of herself. He said, but if she put in fresh fruits and vegetables and this, that, and the other, you know, she might, she might, okay, she's taking care of herself. You know, so so you can't go into something thinking you got to take care of yourself and her. Y'all got to each come in with a strong habit and work ethic of taking care of yourself. And then y'all can think about having some kids. That was actually good advice. You know, you know Kareem, what I love about you is I think when I listen to your stories, you have the thickest skin of anyone I've ever met. And also all you talk about is wellness and taking good care of yourself. So I think that that is the love, a lovely humanity of you. So I appreciate that. I do not want people to go through things I've gone through. And I think anybody, I think that's a matter of being human. Unless you just like a masochist or something. You, don't you want people? If, if, if you know something, if, at least give it to people, share it with them. And they can weigh it out on their own and decide if they have it. And I expect the same from, that's what, to me, that's what friendship is. You know, thick skin just means, I mean, I'm to the age now where it's like, okay, whatever. Like it is what it is. I hope for the best, but this is, this is what I've learned thus far and what I've seen to be true. So, but thank you for that. I, I appreciate it, Laura. All right. My last question is one book you think everyone should read. The Bible. My dad is going to love every bit of this episode, but particularly that answer. <laughs> Thank you so much. This has been such a great time. I feel like, you know, it's been a mess. For those of you who are listening, it's been a mess of a day. We've had things freezing. I got a little bit of a cough and you have just stuck with me. And I think that's why people love you so much is that it seems like you stick with it no matter what. So I really appreciate it. This has been great. It's been my pleasure. I've, I've enjoyed it. And I wish you and your listeners nothing but the best. Thanks, Cream. Thanks for joining us on the More Than a Test podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. At Amira Learning, we believe every child deserves a chance to become a reader, and we're excited to be part of this conversation. See you next week, and thanks for joining.